sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two of the morning after live right here on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, channel 159, all across the Sports Grid network as well. I am Ben Stevens. Plenty to get to in our number two. It's deadline day in Major League Baseball. Our MLB insider, Craig Mish, the host of Fantasy Sports Today and Newswire, will join us later on in this second hour. The moves that have happened and what we might expect in the next 10 hours or so until 6 p.m. Eastern time. Bad math, that's about eight hours or so on my port. It's also August. This is August. College football will be played this month. We'll break down some of the action we will see on that first Saturday of CFB Week Zero. Saturday, August 27th. And our good friend George Pilecci joins us later on in our number two for all things New England. Sports betting is on the way for Massachusetts. Good news there. The Patriots have begun training camp and the Boston Red Sox seem to be sellers at the MLB trade deadline. Plenty to get to with our good friend George Pilecci. So as I mentioned, training camp continues across the National Football League. A lot of focus on this show across the sports media landscape in the last 24 hours or so has been paid, and rightfully so, to Deshaun Watson. The six-game suspension as it stands right now for Cleveland's quarterback. But don't forget the other 31 NFL organizations and practice continuing as we get ready for a 2022 NFL season. The preseason begins in just two days, Thursday, the Hall of Fame game between the Las Vegas Raiders and the Jacksonville Jaguars. As elsewhere around the NFL, some bad news for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. Something that always happens throughout training camp that you try to avoid, of course, is injuries to your significant players. Amari Cooper is no longer in Dallas. C.D. Lamb is that lead receiver, and James Washington for the Cowboys expected to have a vital role in that offense for quarterback Dak Prescott, but injured yesterday at practice, a fractured right foot. He will have surgery today and is expected to be without the Dallas Cowboys or Dallas expected to be without James Washington from anywhere from six to 10 weeks. So what does that mean for the Cowboys as they get ready for 2022? From that odds perspective for the team at the star, they are still the betting favorites to win the NFC East. They have a win total at 10 and a half, although the under has the juice. And that playoff number that you see to make the NFC postseason rather substantial. Minus 260, the fifth best odds of any team in all of the National Football League. In fact, four of the five best make playoff odds all hail from the NFC. That should go to show that conference going to be a slight bit easier than the AFC this year so the Cowboys who won 13 regular season games or 12 regular season games rather a season ago one of the three best records in all of the NFL won the NFC East division and that plus 125 price the Cowboys booked again as the favorites to win the NFC East but the NFC East is a very wacky division and from a historic perspective the trend that you need to know Nobody has won the NFC East division in back-to-back -back years 
since 2004, when the Eagles won four straight divisional crowns starting in the year 2001. We'll show you those odds in just a moment here on the morning after, but first we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience. The second hour of TMA live on this Tuesday on Sirius XM channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates in the fold now as well. And I am Ben Stevens. So a tough injury bit of news for the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. Wide receiver James Washington fracturing his right foot yesterday at practice will undergo surgery today. Is it expected that he might miss up to 10 weeks? Six to 10 weeks, the time frame for James Washington. But the Cowboys still booked as the favorites in the NFC East at plus 125. We have seen tons of odds movement in Philadelphia's favor throughout this offseason, now into the preseason months with training camp getting underway. The Birds have the second best odds in the NFC East at plus 185. And no team has won this division in consecutive seasons since the Eagles did so back in 2004. So who won this division? Last year in the NFC East, that would be the Dallas Cowboys. History would tell you, fade Dallas this year. Look for that value on Philadelphia. That's what I am doing. Elsewhere around the National Football League, some injury news to another wide receiver, this time for the reigning Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay, the coach yesterday after practice, saying that Van Jefferson has a little knee tweak, is expected to go minor surgery today, but it is positive news as you can see there in that quote all things told for van jefferson the rams are the favorites within the nfc west at plus 125 75 cents ahead of the 49ers the second best price at two to one of course la's receiving core is going to be very good again this year not only is triple crown kahooper cup back who led the league in receiving yards receptions receiving touchdowns a season ago they added Allen robinson from the chicago bears and a rob looking really good in los angeles throughout the early returns of training camp so far of course positive wide receiver news for the niners over the weekend as well signing debo samuel to a long-term extension paying debo the money he has deserved and because of how impactful Debo was in the ground game last year for Kyle Shanahan and that Niners offense, there are some incentives built into that contract extension if he is also doing big things in the backfield for the Niners as well. It's August. It's college football. And that's next on The Morning App. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is August. What does that mean? College football will be played this month saturday august 27th week zero across college football so we'll look at those odds right now the early lines are available on the FanDuel sportsbook and paint the picture for what those teams will do in 2022 the season debut one of the marquee matchups of week zero is a big 10 opener between nebraska and Northwestern but no the game is not in Lincoln Nebraska no the game is not at Ryan Field in Evanston Illinois it's at Avila Stadium in Dublin I'm going to perfect my Irish accent by the time we get to the end of August and we have already seen tons of line movement on this spread in favor 
of the Cornhuskers. It opened earlier this offseason somewhere around nine, nine and a half points in favor of the Big Red. But now it's 12 and a half in favor of Nebraska. 12 and a half in favor of a Nebraska team that won three games a season ago. Northwestern also won three games a season ago. But the season outlook for both of these squads is very, very different. We also have some totals available now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. 50 and a half is that number for Nebraska and Northwestern. Generally, in the series between these two in conference action since Nebraska joined the Big Ten in 2010 has been very, very close. Last year in Lincoln, very different story. The Huskers won that game 56 to 7, going well over this number you see here, an over-under of 50 and a half. But as I mentioned, the reason Nebraska is a 12 and a half point favorite. And the reason the movement has worked in favor of the Huskers is because of that eternal optimism in Lincoln. That each and every year, this is the year the Nebraska Cornhuskers return to relevance and some of that big moves in college football. That is the thought, at least heading into 2022, year number five for Scott Frost at the helm of the Nebraska football program. However, movement in favor of the Huskers in that week zero line against Northwestern, a slight bit of movement against Nebraska in the Big Ten West odds that we saw from just last week when Big Ten Media Days got underway in Indianapolis. The Huskers still have the second best odds to win the Big Ten West division this upcoming season behind the favorites that are Wisconsin at plus 170. But last week at this time, it was a three to one price on the Huskers. Now it's plus 350. Iowa moves up the board four to one, the third best odds. The Hawkeyes won this division a season ago. Minnesota has seen some positive market movement as well at five to one. You'll go all the way down the board to find the Cats of Northwestern at a 100 to one price. Here's the very interesting thing on Northwestern from that odds perspective when you look at the Big Ten West. 2018, the Wildcats won this division. In fact, Pat Fitzgerald and the Wildcats have won the Big Ten West in two of the last four seasons. 2018, Northwestern won the Big Ten West. 2019, Northwestern won three games. 2020, Northwestern won the Big Ten West. 2021, Northwestern won three games. So just from that historic trend perspective, it might be worth a sprinkle on the Cats at 100 to 1. No, I don't think Northwestern is going to win the Big Ten West, but just saying, just something to keep in mind as we get going here for the college football season in 2022. Illinois, who has the second longest number to win the Big Ten West Division at 30 to 1, also underway week zero, Saturday, August 27th. Three Big Ten teams open up the season during week zero. Illinois is a 10 and a half point favorite against Wyoming to start off the year. But it's not just Big Ten teams in action. Week zero, Saturday, August 27th. This month, the month of August now and its second day, an SEC team will make a very long trip off the mainland to the Hawaiian Islands to take on the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii. And Vanderbilt is actually booked as the favorite in their season opening matchup against Hawaii. A six and a half point road favorite for Clark Lee and the Doors. And the reason... That is so interesting. A six and a half point spread, nearly a touchdown in favor of Vandy is because of what the rest of the season looks like for the Commodores. Vandy has the longest odds right now to win the SEC. The longest price by a good margin at 5 
hundred to one. It makes sense, right? It's Alabama, it's Georgia, it's other contenders that if it's not those two top teams and the Tide and the Dogs, the reigning national champs, it might be AM or can Billy Napier in his first year at Florida get the Gators back atop the SEC East? Can Tennessee make a run in that division? What about Kentucky, maybe Arkansas and Sam Pittman? So it makes sense to see Vanderbilt at 500 to one with the longest price to win the SEC. But take a look just one peg above that. A win total for Vandy this year at two and a half. And look where the juice is on the under at minus 170. Now, I have perused pretty much all of the win totals available on the FanDuel Sportsbook, Power Five conferences, group of five leagues. To the best of my knowledge and all the scrolling that I have done and opening up tabs on the FanDuel Sportsbook, that two and a half number for Vandy, where the juice lies at minus 170, is the lowest total that you will see from that win total perspective on the FanDuel Sportsbook for all FBS level teams. The FanDuel Sportsbook is currently offering a win total on. However, I am going to the over of that two and a half number at plus 145. For reasons like what you will see week zero, Vandy nearly a touchdown favorite on the road, even making the long plane trip to Hawaii to take on those Rainbow Warriors. If they're a six and a half point favorite against Hawaii week zero, you have to hope maybe they can win two other non-conference games before getting into their eight SEC games that we'll see this year. And maybe somehow, some way, Vandy, who went winless in the conference, each of the last two seasons, if I'm not mistaken, can find an SEC victory in 2022, pushing us to an over with plus money of that win total at two and a half. Yes, that's how much I love college football. I'm looking at a week zero line for Vanderbilt in Hawaii, and I am already in on a bet for Vandy's win total over two and a half at plus 145. Let's continue to go over some of the odds available because this is August and college football will be played this month. An interesting game between UConn and Utah State. That opening weekend of the year, week zero, Saturday, August 27th. The Aggies are a heavy favorite right now against the Huskies. Nearly four touchdowns in price for Utah State. 27 and a half at home for Utah State against Connecticut. 60 and a half. Is that over under Utah State could certainly score last year on its way to a Mountain West championship. Can Utah State do that again? Can Utah State win another conference title in the Mountain West? I think there is tremendous value on the Aggies right now. Utah State has the fourth best price at plus 550 of those odds you will see to win the Mountain West Conference on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They are not the favorites, though. That's Boise State, plus 230. Fresno State, the second-best odds at plus 300. San Diego State ahead of Utah State, as is Air Force, tied for the fourth-best number, or the third-best number, rather, at plus 470. So Utah State, who won the conference a season ago, has their quarterback in Logan Bonner back for Utah State this year, has the fifth-best number at plus 550. Give me the value on Utah State. If there was one running theme you will hear from me specifically throughout this college football season in 2022, I might be a huge Utah guy. Not only Utah State to win the Mountain West title, maybe even land the four touchdowns pretty much against Utah or UConn rather in that week zero opener, 
I love Utah State at plus 550 in the Mountain West. I also love Utah in the Pac-12 to go over their win total of eight and a half, already hammered that in, and to win the Pac-12 championship, tied for the second best odds right now at plus 300. I believe, I guess in the state of Utah, entering 2022 from that college football standpoint. We go from Utah to Massachusetts and George Pilecci up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A celebratory time in New England, in the state of Massachusetts. Welcome back to the morning after live right here on Sports Grid on this Tuesday. Celebratory, yeah, because sports gambling is getting legalized. Woohoo! But George Belecci is back on the morning after. Georgie, it's been too long since you graced the airwaves here on TMA. We are glad to have you back. And I'm just happy to know that you and Shamesy have not blocked my cell number after all. I was getting worried for a while. I haven't heard from you guys for a long time. But as always, love being back on my favorite show. I would say we have a strong relationship, but it seems that you're on to bigger and better things. And that is the case for the state of Massachusetts as well. Of course, George works for Nesson. He has been covering everything in New England throughout his time in the Boston area within the last year or so. And now George will take the expertise he has displayed on this show and lay down some legal wagers because sports betting is on its way to the state of Massachusetts. Georgie, what was your reaction to this law getting legalized? Although we have some time before it's put into effect, what's the atmosphere like for sports betting in Massachusetts right now? My first reaction was, it's about damn time. My second reaction was, is this real? Because it also happened at like 6, 7 a.m. in the morning. And <laughs> yeah. a lot of people, I was watching it until I went to bed that night because once 3 a.m. hit, I said, okay, I'm gonna trust the process here. I'm gonna set an early alarm anyway. When I wake up, hopefully it has been passed, and it has. But also at the same time, as long as it did take, Ben, the lawmakers, the decision makers, the legislators, the people that be got this right for Massachusetts with the amount of sports books that you can bet in Massachusetts at the tax number that will be put on bets too, where it doesn't kill the better. It doesn't make wagers go up because the books will get taxed so much by the state. And just overall, they got it right that they're finally going to let it happen. You can bet on college teams if they're competing in March Madness. There's going to be a lot more red tape we'll have to see unfold and go through. But at the base of it, I love it. I no longer have to Venmo my friends in New Jersey and New York City to place <laughs> bets for me. I can finally wake up or right before I go to bed, open up an app on my phone and place the bets that I come on here and I say you should make. So to me, that's the best part of it all. But took longer than it should have the state lost out on a lot of money but now no more do people need to go over drive over to the states and the borders that are surround massachusetts and shoot i could go to encore casino with their beautiful sports book and have fun there watching games like i did for the big 10 football championship last year and also at the same wow. time hey bet prop bets as the game goes on i love it the legislation is now in place when it will go live in massachusetts we await that timeline, maybe a couple of bets on the FanDuel Sportsbook, our lovely partners here on the morning after Georgie. What will your first legal bet be in the state of Massachusetts? 
I'm going to spice it up. I'm going to go Bills plus 850. Hopefully it's still at that number to win the AFC. Not the Super Bowl. Bill. To win the AFC. I really like George, that. George, the Buffalo Bills are the favorites to win the AFC at plus 350. When was it plus 850? Oh, I might. You know, I'm mixing up with the Chiefs. That's what it is. I was looking at ah, my family ah, yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah, my apologies. I'll still go yeah, Bills yeah, yeah. plus 350. Okay. Plus money, I love it. Not, Sorry about that. Thank you for always keeping me honest. Not the I'm Boston testing Celtics. You. It's been that long. I'm testing I mean, you. I know we're getting it back here, but not the Boston Celtics, Georgie, at plus 450 to win the NBA championship, the betting favorites for next year in the NBA with maybe Kevin Durant in the fold. We can get into it. I mean, you get those odds right now. That's what would be great. If you get Kevin Durant and they are the favorites to win the title, you go from a contender to a favorite, but I still love the Celtics depth. That's my thing. I love that they can go 10 deep legitimately all throughout the playoffs. Maybe that shrinks to nine or eight deep. The Celtics at that plus 450 is really juicy too, but also determines. So if Kevin Durant doesn't land in Boston, odds will shift. The Celtics will drop. Then you could get a little better money there. That's a great point. And that's why this segment is called All Things New England because George is literally going to talk about all things New England. Let's focus now on something a little bit more top of mind, particularly more prevalent on today, the trade deadline day in Major League Baseball. We already saw the Red Sox make some movements yesterday, George. They are now 52 and 52 straight up. On July the 4th, Independence Day here, they were 45 and 35. Since then, 7 and 17. What went wrong for the Boston Red Sox? Everything from starting pitching where they got their first win in over a month the other night to the bats just being quiet, a lack of power to injuries, a la Trevor Story bruising his hand that turned out to be a hairline fracture on his wrist that hurts when he makes contact when swinging the bat, so we don't know when he will be back. It's just been everything, and downright to them just not playing winning, clean, good baseball. You see the lineups that have been rolled out, and when it features a Yomar, and when it features a Jeter Downs, when you have a Jaron Durant still batting leadoff instead of Kike Hernandez and Xander Bogarts is really the only big league guy in that lineup with J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers out as well. It just doesn't bode well for the team. And that Christian Vasquez trade for mm-hmm. a guy that was drafted in 2008 by the Red Sox, the longest tenured player on this team, a world champion. And of course, being a catcher is connected with the pitchers, the outfielders and the infielders. That goes through the entire clubhouse. It also reaffirms what Bloom said where Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts aren't in trade talks, but also shows that everyone else likely is on the chopping block when it comes to. We saw Nate Evaldi pitch last night, pull out a gutsy win. To me, it adds to it that everything they went through before the game, because Vasky literally gets traded around 5.40, 6 o'clock at night. Then you have to go out and pitch. That happens right before he would go over the scouting report with Evaldi, and he still yeah. beats the Astros, who look like, if not the best team in baseball, especially with that lineup. Says a lot about him, but J.D. Martinez as well. Those are the guys that can get value. Now we wait to see what the Red Sox do. Will it be selling moves or will it be buying moves where what can you get for a J.D. Martinez? What can you get for an eight of Aldi? Are those guys that can have an impact now or is it going to be prospects and you try to extend this window of going back and being a team that can make a deep playoff run around Rafi Devers? A 3-2 win for Boston yesterday, despite the Christian Vasquez trade, and he literally just goes across the locker rooms, and now he is a member of the Houston Astros. So, George, on deadline day, do you expect more selling to come from the Boston Red Sox? 
I think it has to be done. You have to go out and make moves. You can't stop at this, especially when you have guys that are pending free agents, guys that you can get value more because especially with J.D. Martinez, I mean, that's a guy that has a postseason experience. His bat does show up at that time. He's missing his power this season, but even go back to last season, hurt his ankle heading into the postseason, gets healthy right in time and proved to be crucial for their late run before falling later in the postseason. But you take those guys, like a J.D. Martinez, as I mentioned, like a Nate Evaldi, as I mentioned, too. See what you could get for them. And you have to do it, too, especially with what the Yankees have been doing. Yes, they lead the division, but that's a team that you will see in the postseason if you make it. Bloom said that when it's all said and done, when the dust is settled, we have about eight hours left in the trade deadline, that hopefully they're looking at a clubhouse that says we can make a postseason run. But with the Yankees getting a Frankie Montas, a Lou Trevino, and a Scott Efres, they shirt up that starting rotation, the bullpen, and to close out when it comes to pitching. They had their needs. They addressed it. What the Red Sox have needs with is power hitting and also to assure of pitching as well. So they have to go out and do more. Now, will it be selling type moves like we saw in the Vasquez trade, or is it fringe buy moves like a Tommy Pham edition who has more home runs than most of the guys on the Red Sox roster, but also at the same time addresses a need in outfield, which has been a dark hole for them as well. As you can see there, Boston now a thousand to one to win the American League East. They are 18 games behind the Yankees. They sit in the fifth and final spot, but still only three games out of the American League wildcard race at the moment but it doesn't seem all that optimistic to end out the second half of this season for the Red Sox but a new season is about to begin for the New England Patriots Georgie the Pats right now with a win total on the FanDuel Sportsbook of eight and a half plus 160 to make the playoffs this year a postseason team just last season in 2021 in Mac Jones's rookie year George you have been at training camp with the Patriots already what's the outlook look like for New England in 2022 I remember the last time we talked about the Patriots in depth, and that was leading into their postseason game against the Buffalo Bills, and I was pessimistic. I was bleak, and I still remain that way for the Patriots going into this season. A, because on offense, we still don't know what they're doing. They're implementing a new system, which I do like. It'll feature more of their tight ends in John New Smith and Hunter Henry. But it seems like Matt Patricia will be the offensive play caller, who has never called offensive plays before who also is working with the second-year quarterback. It seems like Joe Judge will help him with that. It seems like Bill Belichick will do the same. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach in the history of football, but this will be his first time calling offensive plays as well. He's putting more on his plate. And from what we've seen at training camp, when the pads came on and they ran their offense, it did not look good. Runs were being stuffed, incomplete passes, Mac Jones throwing interceptions. And then on the opposite side, this defense, to me, was their issue against the Bills. And all they did was maybe get better at safety with the addition of Jabril Peppers. I love their safety group of Kyle Duggar and Devin McCourty and Jabril Peppers and Adrian Phillips, but their front seven still leaves so much to be desired. You look at how their schedule breaks down where they can open up one in three on the season again because they're away versus home games and their lone home game in those four games being against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. You look at how good and how fast this division is with the Dolphins and the Bills hey, the last two games of the season will be hosting Miami, then at Buffalo, which could have playoff implications. A lot is going into of what the Patriots can be, and all I hear for a while they'll make the postseason is because their head coach is Bill Belichick, and to me that's not a good enough reason. This team, these guys did not get better this offseason, unless I am utterly shocked 
then that's the only way they'll make the playoffs, in my opinion. So as much as I love plus one, I would fade that plus 160. I would not take that at all because I think when you look at their division, look at their schedule and how stacked the AFC is, they're maybe the 12th best team in that conference. All things New England. George Belecci up until the wire here on the morning after. Georgie, thank you as always. More TMA next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Only just over. Seven hours left until the Major League Baseball trade deadline. The deadline hits 6 p.m. Eastern time across the league. So on this deadline day, we'll look back at what has already happened and what might happen. Could we see a flurry of moves over the next seven hours or so across Major League Baseball? Joining us now to break it all down, our Major League Baseball insider, Craig Mish, joins us here on the morning after. Of course, in just a couple of minutes, Fantasy Sports Today will start at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, hosted by Craig Mish, as will Newswire later on this afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, where you will get plenty of updates throughout the day ahead of that Major League Baseball trade deadline. Craig, what do your next seven hours or so look like? Well, if it's anything like the last seven hours, it's going to be insane. I didn't even get my pre, uh, you know, pre-show shirt on for you here today. I'm sorry about that, Ben. Um, yeah, no, it's it's crazy, man. Like, uh, you know, I think this time of the year for somebody like myself, Ben, the way that I've explained it, and and I know that it's it's pretty easy to sort of see this, but uh, for Major League Baseball, for people who cover the game, and not not to the degree maybe that I have, because I'm predominantly covering Miami stuff. Obviously, I know the, some of the other things that are going on, but I think that most people uh, on, on the Miami side follow me closely here. Maybe it's more of the national side. So I call the uh, winter meetings, Ben, I call that like the Super Bowl for yeah. for what I do, because at that point, it's basically like the biggest signings and the biggest trades. And what this is, Ben, the trade deadline is March Madness. So that that's pretty much the the I, I think the way that I could describe how these work for me. So this just kind of comes real fast and then it's done and then you could breathe. And then there's, there's sort of that slow march to the end of the baseball season and then football comes. So uh, between now and 6 p.m., got to have the full phone on 100%, got to have the backup batteries to the left and to the right, and then naturally try to do my best to report as I can here for SportsGrid and host shows as well. So that's, that's what I'm doing here today. We appreciate all of your effort here, Craig, for sure. And you know I love March Madness, so I'm very excited for these next couple of minutes together here on the morning after. Yesterday, one of the first moves that set off a flurry of moves in Major League Baseball was an interesting trade between the Milwaukee Brewers sending all-star reliever and closer Josh Hader to the San Diego Padres. Craig, were you surprised to see this move made yesterday? Uh, you know, I guess the timing of it was a little bit surprising, but there were a couple of, of things that were in play that I don't think that get mentioned enough, which is the fact that uh, Josh Hader, we'll, we could focus on Josh Hader, so Josh Hader is arguably, if, if he's not the best closer in baseball, he's the second best. And, and I don't think that there's any debating that either way. Uh, what I would say, Ben, and it's, it's been kind of underreported, is obviously the, the Brewers had no intention of signing him up long term. 
But one of the dynamics that happens that doesn't get talked about enough in baseball is, Ben, when you do not sign a player to a long-term contract, like the Brewers have not signed Hader, and you're constantly taking one of your best and most popular players to arbitration year after year and fighting with this player and basically explaining why he does not get uh, deserve to be paid what he should, this is sort of the outcome uh, that I anticipated here. And I think that that's kind of what's happened uh, with Hader in Milwaukee. As you've noticed, probably over the last couple of years, they stopped using him in a two-inning role and went back to more of a one-inning role. And I wonder if that's going to change now that he's back in San Diego. If San Diego commits to him long-term, I could definitely see that happening. And that's not to say that Hayter didn't like playing in Milwaukee. I think that that's, that would be a ridiculous statement. I just didn't see a future for him there. So I thought he would be traded. But to say that yesterday I thought he would be traded would be foolish for me to, to, to say. And you can see the odds there. The Brewers have a three-game lead in the National League Central. They are minus 210 to win that division. You answered why Milwaukee made this move, although the timing is a little bit odd. What does Josh Hader do from an impact perspective, Craig, for the Padres on their postseason push? Well, I, I think, Ben, the signal that was sent here, at least uh, you know, preliminary, let's see what more they do. But if you remember uh, last year at the trade deadline, Ben, the, the Padres struck first, if I'm not mistaken, and they ended up getting Adam Frazier. And that looked like a really strong trade for them at the time if they made other deals that would push them toward the postseason. They did not get Max Scherzer. As we know, at the 11th hour, he ended up going to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And naturally, we're down this road again, maybe, with Juan Soto. So the question is, can the Padres go the extra mile? Because without it, they could be facing a similar scenario than they did last year. I know that they're going to say all the right things. We're getting Fernando mm -hmm. Tatis back. And they're going to say all the right things. Look at this trade that we've already made to get Hater. But I don't know about you, Ben, but they had the ultimate collapse in all of Major League Baseball last season at the end of the year. Without doing anything more, they are a postseason team, most likely, but they are not formidable, in my mind, to take down L.A. 12 games back of the Dodgers right now in the National League West. The second wild card spot is what San Diego owns, and that plus 850 price to win the NL pennant the fourth best odds available in that market at this moment. The best team in baseball, or at least the team that has the most wins, Craig, the New York Yankees, of course. Their 70th win of the year last night in a victory over the Seattle Mariners. But before the Yanks hosted the M's yesterday up in the Bronx, it was a move to acquire Frankie Montas, a starting pitcher from the Oakland Athletics. How does Montas now fit with the pinstripe starting staff? Didn't look like they gave up a whole lot to get Montas, and I think that that's the dynamic when you have a pitcher that's been injured or at least hurt as much as Montas has. It's definitely a nice add for the Yankees, and I definitely think that their pitching is certainly going to be upgraded here without a doubt, but there's never any betting value on the Yankees, Ben. Let's be honest. Like, it does, it, like they could be a 500 team and their odds still would not be good because the books have to protect themselves against all these people who just walk into a sports book, don't know anything, and see New York Yankees like they do Notre Dame and just bet them or Alabama. Yeah. Um, I, I, look, I, I still think that Houston is a sleeping giant here. I mentioned on your show several times that I thought that they would make some big moves. I mean, Trey Mancini, that is a very, very big move for the Houston Astros acquiring him. And I think that they're far from done. So whatever the Yankees have done, I think it's nice. 
I don't think that those moves in particular make them more of a favorite than they already are. Let's put it that way. The Astros only 55 cents behind the Yankees in the American League pennant race right now. The pinstripes, the favorites at plus 130. Craig, with the moves that both of these teams will make and have already made ahead of the Major League Baseball trade deadline, do you still believe the Astros and the Yankees are on a tier of their own in the American League? Yeah, I really do. I, I think that you can't discount Tampa Bay, and I think that regardless of what they end up doing or not doing in the next 24 hours, they're always going to play very sound baseball, and you can sort of envision October baseball with Tampa Bay winning a few games in the postseason 3-2 to two or 4-3 to three and just sort of piecing their way through it. So I never rule them out. But I would say, honestly, at this point, Ben, your point is well taken to really consider anyone outside of New York or Houston at this point, I do think is foolish. It is curious to me that we've reached the deadline and I know the twins just made a trade, but to have the twins and the white Sox and the guardians, this quiet knowing that they're on the precipice of winning the division is a little odd. So I'd be surprised in the next few hours, if those teams are not jockeying for different players. I know the White Sox made a small reliever move, but uh, a little surprising uh, to me at this point to see them just kind of quiet. Although, again, the Twins just made the trade about a half hour ago. It is very interesting to see that, though, because Minnesota has a one-game lead in the the American League Central over the Guardians, three games in front Mm -hmm. of the Chicago White Sox, but now Chicago back as the betting favorites in the AL Central at plus 130. Plenty more to come in that division throughout the rest of this Major League Baseball season. A big, big game tonight in the nation's capital between the Nationals and the New York Mets. We'll get to why tonight's game is very, very big in just a couple of moments. But, Craig, the rest of the conversation throughout the Major League Baseball trade deadline, the next seven hours or so, will focus around Washington's Juan Soto. He was out there last night. A home run for the Nats three walks Mm -hmm. for the Nats, and in his final plate appearance in the eighth inning, a round of applause from the Nationals crowd. Has Juan Soto played his last game as a member of the Washington Nationals? Feels like it. It does feel like it. I'm surprised. I I thought that the way that Washington would handle this would be to open up the complete field of teams in the winter and and really... uh, There are teams right now, Ben, that we have not identified that would be willing to overpay for Juan Soto. Uh, But that's not going to really happen at the trade deadline like it would in the winter because there are some teams that we don't know they're going to go for it. I always use, you know, Texas over the last few months as an example. Did anybody have Texas signing Corey Seager and and Marcus Simeon before the winter began? And I think that's a good example as to how you can engage a team that really didn't think that they would be in it, that decided that via their ownership or their front office to decide to go for it. Uh, But that being said, it looks like they're just sort of hell-bent on on making the deal now. I can't blame them if that's the route that they choose to go. And I'm watching the reports just like you are about the teams that are involved, whether it's L.A., San Diego, or St. Louis. But I've I've seen this movie before, Ben, and the the movie always ends up with the Dodgers getting the guy, doesn't it? So it's it's certainly, I I think it feels like that's probably going to end up happening, but we'll see. Craig, quickly here, if you had to put on your odds maker hat, would you make the Dodgers the betting favorites, so to say, to land Juan Soto today? I would. I would. And I, and I could just go by track record. They acquired Scherzer last year. They acquired you Darvish the year before. 
and they acquired Manny Machado, Ben, the year before that. Three straight years of deals. And by the way, Trey Turner, too. Three straight years of deals acquiring potential future, what am I, potential, all potential future Hall of Famers at the trade deadline right under our noses. So am I going to bet against that tonight? I am not. <laughs> it would be very difficult, in my estimation, for Nationals fans to watch the L.A. Dodgers to see Trey Turner and Juan Soto there in L.A. Mm -hmm. together. The Dodgers booked right now as the World Series favorites on FanDuel at plus 310. The other big reason, Craig, of course, for tonight's game in Washington, D.C., Jacob deGrom makes his return for the New York Mets. His first start in over a year. Not a trade, but a huge acquisition for the Mets ahead of the trade deadline. What can we expect from deGrom on the bump tonight? Yeah, you know, again, this is going to be a little bit of an overvalued. I mean, there are some folks probably that will go the run and a half here and, and think that that's a good bet. Uh, but the Mets are going to be supremely careful with Jacob DeGrom tonight. I mean, Ben, I mean, let, let's just talk about something that you can't bet, and that would be the over six and a half innings, which I think is sort of fair. Like, I mean, are they really going to throw him seven or eight innings in his first start back? I don't care who it is, it's against. So the dynamic that you have going here is, is if you do want to bet this game and you do want to bet the Mets, what do you do, Ben? You do it now. You do it right now yep. because obviously the Nationals – if they trade Bell and Soto, their lineup is going to be a zero going into this game tonight. Yep. And you're never going to get the same value at 5 o'clock Eastern or 6 o'clock Eastern. So if you are interested in betting the Mets and you do want to lay the minus, what is it, 170 on one and a half, do yourself a yeah. favor and do it now because you ain't going to get this at 6 o'clock. That juice on the run line only continues to work in favor of the Amazons. It's now minus 184 to lay the run and a half, and they are a minus 320 money line favorite on the road in Jacob deGrom's return tonight. Craig Mish, our MLB insider, the host of Fantasy Sports Today. He'll provide plenty of updates up in just a few minutes on FST. Craig, thank you so much. Thanks we round out the show next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our two hours together here, live on the morning after on this Tuesday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That's the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. And also all across the Spiz Grizz Network, that's SportsGrid. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us on this Tuesday, just over seven hours away until the Major League Baseball trade deadline. It is deadline day, but after the deadline passes, there will be games across the bigs tonight. A huge start. For Jacob DeGrom in his return for the Mets against the Washington Nationals. Who will be on that national starting lineup? Will Juan Soto be in D.C. at the end of today? By the way, the Mets are plus 280 to win the National League pennant. This would be your time to jump in because we'll get a picture of what the Mets look like. Mad Max last night in a victory for the Mets. 13 hits in a Pete Alonso home run. And then Jacob DeGrom tonight just saying plus 280 on the New York Mets. But we focus on another really good starting pitcher in the National League before we say farewell and before we say goodbye. It's time for a Major League Baseball best bet, a K-prop. In fact, it is time for Bye Bye Bye. The reigning National League Cy Young winner, Corbin Burns, on the bump for the Brewers tonight 
against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I mentioned the Mets. They're a minus 320 money line favorite tonight on the road against the Nats. The Brewers are minus 260 as a road favorite against the Pirates in Pittsburgh tonight. But we focus on Corbin Burns in that K prop. It's lofty. It's eight and a half. The under has the juice. The plus money has the over. I go with the plus money. Why? Well, Burns has had double-digit strikeouts in three of his last four starts. Corbin Burns has gone over this number of eight and a half strikeouts in five of his last seven outings. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, the third highest K rate against righties in the last month, striking out nearly 27% of the time. Corbin Burns over eight and a half strikeouts plus 114. Give me that plus money to the over. The morning after each and every weekday, live right here all across the Sports Grid Network. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time each and every weekday. Enjoy the Major League Baseball trade deadline. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.